What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? How's it going in Sydney? Hi. Um, I think Sydney's good. I'm not. I'm not having the same kind of time that I had in Melbourne because, you know, long, long days in a dark theater and not, I don't feel like I'm just having a regular life. Like I suddenly felt like I was in Melbourne. I was like, I work here. I live here. These are my people. And then now I'm on, and now I feel like I'm on tour and I'm sort of ready to come home actually. Well, Melbourne, you know, is really the best place in the world. So that's another reason why you feel different because you're no longer there. That's that's partially true. And also I feel very turned around in Sydney. I can never I never know where I am. Um in does it feel I blame like LA to you. More you know, it doesn't feel like LA, but oh. more than more than New it's not LA because it's it's almost like Chicago. Oh. But hot. But hot and tropical-y. A hot, tropical Chicago. Because, like, it seems very, very deeply considered architecturally. You know, like, everything seems to radiate from the opera house. I I actually don't know if any of this is true. But, yeah, I don't understand it yet. And I I haven't actually put much time into it. Because, again, I've just literally been running in full circles around the Sydney Opera House, like over and over and over and over and over again from costume fitting to tech rehearsal to green room to have lunch with friends. And then again, same circle 300 times. Um, what theater are you in, in the Sydney opera house? Um, the opera house. Wait, Joan Sutherland theater, the Joan Sutherland theater, famous, famous dame of opera singing Dame Joan Sutherland. Joan, at the Sydney Opera House, there's just one theater. No, there's like five. Right, that's what I. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I so like... basically, the ballet and the opera perform right. in the one that we're in because mm-hmm. the biggest one has been designated it's saved for to the Kate Blanchett. It's only for Kate. Right. No, they save they save that one for the symphony because the Australian Broadcasting Company kind of said we're not going to give you the money unless this is what it is. So the ballet ABC. and the opera are ABC. So the the ballet and the opera are relegated to the second biggest space, but then they also have like a black box and a proscenium theater space. Oh, that's where and we should do our show in the black box. Yes, you know. Jack. Yeah. And if you ever come back to Sydney or Melbourne uh-huh. for Mama well, May, here we have Sydney. Here we have your person. And shall we introduce our guest? Is it time or do you want to tell me a little bit about New York? I have nothing to tell. I am just in like a full work moment. How, how's I, the baby? I, she's she's doing okay. She's she's okay. been having a couple of hard days, and I am uh, I have extra work this week. Uh, so it's I will be going into a work meeting. I just left a work meeting, and I'll be going into one. Ugh. Uh, in a bit and then teaching all day so Isn't let's work introduce tedious. our guest today tonight we have an australian person which seems only right and a, a person who's in the ballet company uh-huh. so we're gonna have a dance perspective and a stuff perspective australian stuff and dance stuff which is the name okay. of our show why don't you tell us your name hi i'm my name is callum Lane, and uh 
Uh, well, I mean, that's about it. I mean, I'm a dancer with the Australian Ballet. And how long? Hello, Callum. Hi, Jack. They've Hello. never met. No, we've never it's nice met. To meet you. Right it's nice to meet you. Um, I've been dancing with the company for seven years. Yeah. 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 And you went through the school. I went to the school. I was at the school from when I was 12. And where did you grow up? In Ballarat, which is like a country town. Is that north or south or east or west? It's in Victoria, so it's like south. South of the country. Colder. Cold, is, cold, 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 cold. You know, cold. counterintuitive to us Americans. South means colder. Antarctica. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it wild? Yeah, there's, well, there's the Arctic peng- and then there's the Antarctic. So, you know, it's I don't remember. Like- Did I already talk about the penguins last week on the podcast? <laughs> Mandy Patankin. Yes. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. You did. Mandy Patankin. I, I think so. I think so. I think you talked about I haven't about seen any other Australian animal life since then, but I did see something that Callum told me is called a bin. A bin chicken. A bin chicken. Is that a rat? actually an ibis. It's an ibis. <laughs> so it's like this exotic looking bird with a very long curved beak. That roams the streets of Sydney. A curved black beak, and they look as if like you could only see them in a zoo, but they're just wandering around. They just wander around. Well, that's something that's wonderful about Australia is everything looks so stunningly beautiful, but it's just out there on the street like Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I met her at the Opera House in her own theater. You did not meet Kate Blanchett. Oh my God, I love that even for two seconds you were, you were really excited. I did have a moment of actually being really excited that you could have met Kate Blanchett. Um, but you did it. So, so, and, uh, so Callum, you started when you were 12 and, uh, in the school and then you were like, this is it. I absolutely have to do- <laughs> dance. I've just dance is my ticket. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid and I was like, well, this is it. This is all there is. And so it was seven years at the school and then moved moved down the hall when... It's literally you open a door and you're now in the company. Yeah, it's the same building. Yeah. It's the same floor. It's true. Wait, I have a question. Uh-huh. Once you did get into the company, uh-huh. what was like... Did you? What was the first big role you did that you said, like, it's happening? Um, probably... Um, Balanchine's Symphony in C. Which movement? First Three. movement. Oh, first. Yeah. Wow, that is first movement big. principle. It was really scary. Yeah, it has hard things. It was. It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I was second year, and I think one of the one of the principals was a bit sore. It hurt his knee or something, and then the he was rep- a bit sore. He'd hurt his. It was knee. a bit. <laughs> it was a bit sore. He is sore. And so the. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something happened. Something he was happened. sore. He bruised his toe. He said, "I'm not doing it." No, I think it was worse than that. I, I maybe I, I made it sound like it was less than, but yeah, something happened. He was injured. And they were like, you, you, "You're going to do it." Wow. And I was like, "Okay, great." And, and who that, staged it? Her name was Eve. Eve Lawson. I don't know Eve Lawson. Oh, I love Eve. She's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she was fun. She was fun. Well, great. Congratulations. So now now Callum does a lot of dances with the company, apparently, and he is in Pam's Dance, which is why I know, because I only seem to be able to know the people in Pam's Dance, aside from a couple. Mm -hmm. There's a couple people in the dance company who I encounter, excuse me, in the hallways, who I've been fascinated by, who are not in Pam's Dance. And I'll just shout out Jake. (laughs) Jake Mangakahia, (laughs) 
I, if you're listening to this podcast, which you're probably not, thank thank you for the combos. There was another one I'm going to tell you about, but not right now. Okay. Um, but at any rate, Callum on my very first day of work, uh, was introduced to me by the one dancer I know, which I actually know two dancers in the Australian ballet, but the one Drew who I know said, oh my God, what are you doing here? I said, I'm I'm working on a job here with Pam. And Drew's like, I'm in Pam's dance. I said, of course you are, you have to be. And then Drew said, oh, look, this is my best friend Callum. And then Callum and I locked eyes and then we had a, I had for me, what I'm now understanding is a Jennifer Corey synergy. Mm, mm. you were like we you you could make me laugh it was immediate you were like you were like oh you're talented and you can make me laugh yeah it was really (laughs) i didn't make the jenna correlation until a few days ago and then i was like it's jenna Uh uh-huh it's jenna Mm -hmm. it's leaves it's lives it's laughs it's loves Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ice boots Um, at midnight it's ice boots at midnight. I'll That's tell you that story mm-hmm. later. That yeah, you can you can tell um, Callum about that later. Yeah. So at any rate, um, I'm going to ask Callum a question, uh-huh. which I think will be good in terms of contextualizing this whole experience. But you know, Pam is is from New York. She's here. She's making this dance. It's David's yeah. first commission. What's the experience been like? Take us from day one on Zoom. Okay. Well. Can I preface this with um, just the fact that I'm obsessed with Pam Tanowitz? I'm obsessed. No, Cal- Callum is like, it's it's a lot, actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, okay. But re- in all seriousness, it has been like one of the best experiences of my career in the company so far. Because just, like, I think... I mean, I have no idea who she is. I mean, I've only known her for like four weeks. You don't have weeks. to qualify. I just wanted you to talk, tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we started on Zoom and with Melissa Toogood. And but Pam was there, right? And Pam was there as well. And what was your first impression? But my first impression was she's really funny. Had you done any research? Not so much. I think I'd seen a little bit of Gustave Le Grey. Uh-huh. And I happened to be in New York when Bartok premiered, you, you but it. I didn't see it because I saw another until another program. It's Jack's favorite show. Yeah, I've listened. I have listened to that. Unfortunately, that you missed that one. You're like, I'm gonna go. Well, I don't want to hear the other show that you saw, so I can, you know, keep this uh, episode positive. Go on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's no, it's it sounds like I missed out on something definitely iconic, but. So I'd only, I'd heard about that and then, but I was really looking forward to, to working with her and especially because it was David's first commission as well. So that was really exciting. But my first impression was that she was really, she's really fun. She's really funny. She's really laid back. Um, and that was kind of it because it's hard to kind of get a full gist of someone over Zoom. Right. And so one week later she arrives in the studio. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and there was like a group of six of us who'd been working with her on Zoom. And so, I mean, maybe we felt like a little bit like special, like, oh, hey, Pam, how's it going? Like, right, we've but at met that you. point, had the others entered the room? I don't, no, like that was like the first day of everyone being in there. So maybe it went from like a group of six to like 20 wow. or something. And now it was like, oh, there's six of us. And I was like, I felt like, oh, like, it was like, hey, hey, Pam, how's it going? Even though we'd never actually met. Right. So there was like maybe like a familiarity there. 
which was which was exciting, which was special. Right. And and then we kind of just got stuck into it. We got stuck into Did the work. Did you know early on that there was going to be like a million more people in the dance? Um, I feel like she'd mentioned. Had no one talked about the kind of conceptual serenade element of it yet? <laughs> the serenade of it all? <laughs> the well, serenade yeah, of it true. all. Yeah, I guess and, you know, had, Or yeah, like a ballet yeah. where there's, there's you know, principal soloist core. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, only, I was only concerned with the six of us in the room. Uh-huh. No, I think Pam, Pam had, no, no, Pam had said that it was kind of the reverse of the kind of inverted of serenade, but without the principals. So yeah. 14 men and three, three women. Right. But I was just like, I was just happy to happy to be there in the get-go. Right. In the initial, yeah. And isn't it how how fortuitous that it turned out that you would then be the dark angel of Pam's <laughs> watermark? <laughs> the shaman. Yeah. So you have Perhaps. the solo. There's two solos. There's well, two solos. Two primary solos. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And he doesn't have the solo. No, I no, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Devastating. I guess what you call the other solo. (laughs) Okay. The the solo that which is the solo that made you cry. The solo. Oh my god. Well, you have to talk about it. You have to talk about it. No, I know. I can't actually talk about it a lot. But we'll see it shortly. When you know when it's it's going to be streamed, isn't it? When tonight? Towards (laughs) it's happening tonight. Happening right now. Of the run of shows, I think they're going to stream the show. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. Callum already experienced, I had like a mental breakdown, not Mm. really, but like we were having dinner because Drew and Callum so generously invited me to see some patchwork clothes at the department store, which then led to dinner. Very generous. There's a place called Meyer, which is like um, Bloomingdale's. Mm -hmm. And um, they wanted to show me, this is a long story, but they wanted to show me these clothes, which are made basically from like a company decided to take their remnants and sort of piece them together into one of a kind garments, like sweatpants, sweatshirt, t-shirt, what have you. Uh-huh. And so Drew was like, you have to come see these clothes. Callum bought some shorts. Anyways, afterwards we um, went to a place. What's that neighborhood called? Richmond? Balaclava. Balaclava, that, which is also a garment. Um, mm. And... And we had dinner. Which is and also then a face mask. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. At a certain point in the meal, Callum said, oh, what are your impressions of Pam's dance? And so I started talking through, like, yeah. se- sections, moments, feelings. And by the time I got to the solo, I started to feel really weird. And then and it led to me both laughing and crying simultaneous at the dinner table with tears coming out of my eyes at a dinner table. Yeah, which was where you had emotions, right? Right, unusual for strange? you, daily for me, and um, you know that it is. I, well, I think it's what's great is that you are continually moved by dance. If it, if you love it, like it'll really, and you know, and me too. I mean, if we, if we actually really love it, it does do this thing that's so um difficult to fully surmise in language, which is why we keep going towards it so to have a to have big feelings and to really have them have high octave spectrum seems beautiful and great i can't wait to see the work well yeah and i think it's a lot to do with there's been a a long time since i've seen like a a dance in this way like Mm. people in a studio completely yeah so like in that way i think it's been overwhelming and also like 
the commitment of the dancers and the beauty of the music and like the work itself have all like come together for me where I just feel kind of like overwhelmed. Wow. I really, really am prepping you for the incredible despair that you might feel upon (laughs) re-entry to America. Um, I feel ready. I do. I actually feel ready. I know. You've been like, I'm I'm ready to come home. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not in person still here. Like, people are going for it. And, uh, and really... I don't, I don't know what to say. This, this, uh, it's, it's a different experience here. Dances, you know, there's not going to be like in studio rehearsals and people getting together in, uh, windowless rooms unless they're all vaccinated or, or they're totally doing that because they're like, I don't care anymore. I've lost my mind. Or they're like, I never <laughs> believed in this virus in the first place. It's a hoax. Let's just get together and have hot dogs. You know, yeah, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Uh. Yeah, so it is different. There's there is a lot going on. Well, you can have one as soon as you get back and go right up to Times Square and go to some stand. Times Square. Uh, I'm going to go to a vendor. I'm going to say extra mustard plays. Yeah, get a bag of get a bag of candy. Regular American hot dogs here, all the way near Antarctica. Well, they are mass produced in such a completely terrifying and gross way that I'm not surprised. It's you know. Uh, I went to Bond. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go back to Callum in a moment. But I went to Bondi Beach with Pam today, and Melissa and Hudson and, and Melissa's parents. I got almost swept out to sea from a rock pool, <laughs> and uh, it was okay. I, How I was exciting. holding to a pole quite. And um, on the way back, we took a bus, and every every Jewish thing we passed—a kosher grocery store, a Jewish Jewish bakery—Pam had to take a picture. So I think she might be homesick as well. Oh, I love that. Well, she can, it can be the kind of like epilogue to the film her and Jeremy made. Um, so Callum is, is in the work. And, and what else do you want to say about, uh, do you want to say anything else about dance? Or your do experience you as a dancer? Pan- How do you love oh. Melbourne? Like, let's talk about Melbourne, which is as, you, oh it's my, my favorite city I've ever been to. It's your favorite to. city. Yeah, as I've been listening to it's mine. It's mine too. I think it is. It's it's a beautiful city to live in. Isn't it? I mean, you, you wouldn't know to live in, but you've visited. You've what visited. are the cities you've been to to connect contextualize? Um, Paris, to, New York, yeah, LA, Tokyo. Paris, but honestly, York, it's London, uh, Tokyo. That's it. You know, like all Vienna, Berlin, Beijing, Beijing, yeah. Shanghai. Yeah, so I've been. I've been around. Been everywhere, and yet his home is his favorite place. Yeah. It always used to disappoint me because when I first went, when I first like traveled overseas to Europe, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be the best. This is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know, it's going to be so romantic and it's going to be beautiful. Which place was that? I was really romanticizing Paris. It is romantic. Well, then I got there and I was really disappointed. Oh, really? Yeah, I was really disappointed. (laughs) Travai, why were you so disappointed? (laughs) I think it's just like years and years and years of like building this city up in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I was like, is this it? Is this really it? Stop. Is this all I'm, there I'm, is? Is, is this, this all is there, this is, all there, there is, is to Paris? Is this it? When <laughs> you get it? to Paris, it's like, could there even be more? That's how I Well, felt. that's, but that's, yeah. it was really, it was a really confusing time. How old were you? 19. Okay. And then, but then I went back a couple of years after that. And I was like, oh, I actually really love this city. It was a confusing time because, what does that mean? Because 19? 
Well, it was just confusing because I was like, I'm going to go to Paris and everything's going to make sense. And like, Make sense oh, of it's what? Good. Of your life? Yeah, like everything was going to be complete then all I of see. a sudden. Like I was like, you know, all those movies I've watched, all, you know, all everything. It was like, well, you know, it's going to be my favorite city in the world. And then I got there and I was like, I'm a little bit scared. Scared of what? Oh. I don't know. I just remember feeling a bit. I was like, I couldn't speak. I was a mute. I was mute That's for a week. Oh, I was mute for a week. French. Oh my god, I couldn't speak French, and I couldn't even oh. attempt it. I was too embarrassed to even Jack attempt it. Famously, can speak French without knowing how. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's only when I'm there, and then if I do it here, it sounds like a kind of French, definitely with a French accent. It's my friend Neil's uh, one of Neil's favorite things. For I, me needed to do. Very, I needed you. I needed you. It's the only yeah, accent Paris I can do. Paris would probably be more fun. More fun. I have Jack, a great time sure. in Paris. I love Paris, actually. I I do really love it there, and it feels, it feels you know kind of like New York, but it feels it feels like if you smashed New York and Prague together, kind of it's a uh, because of the arrondissements. It's a uh, you know this maze labyrinth circle city, but I do like yeah, it there, and I get a I can move around quite. I got lost accidentally there once. Um. And then, but I, you know, like a dog found my way home. <laughs> the way, <laughs> Quite the way that Paris is built so predominantly of like white stone, mm. white marble, white granite, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It, there's something like different in the way that it like goes into one's eyeballs. So like for me, that is always my experience of Paris. I'm like, wow, this is really the city of light in that way. You know, I'm not for me, about it the is absolutely. Talking, talking about the daytime. For me, I'm, the the sky, the light of in the daytime is really it's the most cinematic city Completely. I've been to for sure. Because the light, you're like, oh my god, I could be standing anywhere, and a good photo is going to come out. So, <laughs> you know, if someone, if, I'm sure someone's filming me right now, and I look incredible. This light is really good. Bright but diffused. The clouds are really <laughs> stunning. Jack, you do look beautiful right now, and you're in um, Jeremy's office on Zoom. Oh, it's probably just because I'm using um, my laptop is really no longer working, so I'm just using his one of his laptops. So it's just coming in clearer, and it probably has some filter on it. Are you um Are you doing stickers still? I don't know what that means. Um, stickers, you know. Oh, the face, the the plastic on the face. No, I can't be bothered with that. I gave that up as soon as I got back to New York City. I was like, I can't wear those things in bed. That's only something to, that I could do, like, <laughs> upstate when I was like, ooh, what a, I just spent, I was inside all day long. I guess I'll put plastic on my face. You know, it was like something to keep, right. you know, mitigate, mitigate right. uh, the death sentence of life. Um... Uh, Callum, what else do what else do you want our listeners to know about you? What are what are what are the things you love outside of the ballet in in Melbourne or in your life, en general? What if you had to say these are my three favorite things to do? <laughs> my in, three in my life. favorite things to do in my life. Okay, uh-huh, that don't have anything to do with work. Okay, my and not favorite. even three. Just as much as you want to say. I mean, in New York, there's it's You're we're really just like work. Yeah, don't limit yourself. Say as many things yeah. as you like to do outside of the ballet. I feel like I'm starting to like internally panic that I won't have at least three things to say. You literally can say pee-pee-poo-poo, as you well know. 
Well, that is that that is, that is going to occur. That's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen in my career. We're going to do pee pee poo poo. Pee pee poo. I'm going to do a torch lift with Jack. Oh, oh, you're gonna. That's oh, right. you'll be the person who does the torch lift for me. Well, Great. that was the question. Remember, absolutely. A weeks ago, I said Callum's name. You said, do you think he could torch lift me? I've got the right. Oh, great! Yes, this is for when. This is for when. If I come there and do um, Mama May again, it, you it'll be a rotation of you. I'll make David. David has to do a torch lift with me. I mean, that's the photo for I'll, Vogue. Yeah. Um, but go on, go on. Go Things on. you like to do. My favorite. My favorite thing to do outside of work without fail is go to the cinema. Obsessed. Yes. Obsessed. Yes. I mean, it's you know, it's therapy. Yeah, it is therapy. It is the best thing. You know, it's like it is cheap therapy. You know, it's like therapy for like twelve bucks. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because that might discourage people from actually going to therapy, and rather you just can say whatever you cinema. Want. Don't worry, but, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I think everyone should be in therapy, even though Reed will never go. But Reed doesn't need to go. It's part of his charm. <laughs> is that he won't I go? Have been. Sure, sure. Okay, Reed, go on. So there's that. Um, I mean, I feel like that's really all that like that takes over my life. Really, I just feel like every spare minute I have is going to the cinema. That's not true. Is it not true? There's food. Do you go out oh, dancing? Food. I love food. I love to. I do go Callum out. goes dancing. I do uh-huh. go out dancing. In fact, what Reed? You just were. I just came from dancing. I was just out then, and I've come back. And this what? Was the, this is the this is the real shocker. You ready for this? Uh-huh. He's gonna go back. After. I'm going to go back out dancing. I'm going to go back out, go back after, out after this. What time is it there? Midnight? Beyond. Yeah, it's like, it's it's it's, it's one. It's one. It's 1 a.m. I mean, Reed, this is like what you and I used to do when we were young. We would go out to Greenhouse. And by young, I mean 30. <laughs> I I was... Callum's, Callum's not even there yet, so he's extra, extra energy. I've heard about the Greenhouse. Okay. You and David were talking about the, the greenhouse. It's really the origins of David as well. Uh-huh. Origins of David and, and Reed and Jack, uh-huh. quite frankly. It's true. Um, so it's you're about to fun. go back out dancing. What kind of club are you going to back to tonight? Is I it gay, gonna, straight, mixed? It's a gay club. Fierce. We're going to go. To, I think it's. I think it's called Universal. I think we're going to go to Universal. It's called Universal. What's your generation called? Gen Z. What are you? I get confused what I am. I think I'm Gen Z, but I think a lot of my friends are mal- no wait. Which no, one is? I'm a, I'm the oldest of the millennials. So then, right. what are the ones that if like that's after Gen Z? Je ne sais pas. Hmm. Okay. I think that's it because you're the end. Okay, this is end game. Okay, cool. It's, it is. It is <laughs> so, the world's world. They're going to end by 2080 or something. You know, Marvel it's around game. there. Marvel End Game. It's incredible. Um, well, so Callum is a person of the future. He's going uh-huh. out dancing with all uh-huh. the boys. Yes, um, yes, yes. What, and, how, what um, is your, what kind of music do Callum you like, is, Callum? Oh. <gasps> what kind of music do I like? Um, I mean, the music I like to listen to is not the music I like to dance to. Um, oh, same. What, how would I? Same, Yeah, totally. what do I? You're touching my face. Right? Oh, the hair. Mm. Um, I don't know, I don't know how I would like... I guess it's sort of like you call it, it sounds really lame, but like, I guess I like listening to like alternative rock music. I, like, I love Nick Cave and I love the national and, you know, guitar bands. But then like what I like to dance to is, I guess, like all the 
pop stuff and whatever they play. What about any, like, do you have any female female singer, guitar people in your universe? Yeah, I really love Angel Olsen. Do we know who that is, Jack? Angel Olsen, Angie McMahon, Phoebe Bridges. Um, it's as if I've never heard music. I don't <laughs> No, I mean, know. some of them are floating through a little bit. I mean, I'm just sort of iconically just PJ Harvey and Tori, Tori Amos. Yeah. And that's, I, I really, never, that's... Somehow I've managed to miss PJ Harvey this whole time. She's the but, best. Which I She's like literally the best the one. It's the same kind of as Nick Cave. It's the same, you know, same situation. Nick's, same Nick's music is, has a... It doesn't vocally thrash out to that level. Like Nick's uh-huh. cave is a kind of, I would say, is a little closer to uh, Leonard Cohen and in, in in its. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with Leonard Cohen. I'm sure, obsessed sure, with Cohen. sure. Yeah. Well, Nick is a little more. PJ is really love a flat voice. Yeah, PJ's voice is the most weaponized voice I think I've ever heard. Okay. Yeah. Wow. This is a con- this is not my conversation because it's my, not. It's my, not because. No. <laughs> You would not I'm, like I just this go from music. like from Bach to Richard Strauss to Britain. You know, it's not. It's all the famous bees, all the bees. Um, Britain, but, yeah, Britain, Bartok, Bach. So sure, sure. Uh, why don't we um, move into uh, listener questions? We have. Oh, we should do that actually because of yeah, time. Time. We have three time marches questions, on. all of which come from Instagram this week, which is oh, amazing. Okay. Thank you. I think some may have been from several weeks ago, but I um, neglected to check that platform. But they're not timely questions. They're just questions. So Callum's going to cue those up on his phone. Uh We have this uh, technology. We have a lot of devices. That's my job. Okay. So what's the first one? It's going to be good read in an Australian oxide. Do we do a first name and a second name or just a first name? No, don't say they're... You can, just I don't know if you can even say their first name. It depends on the question, I think, or if they... We're not going to do a yeah. name. This is Anon. 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 Sure. A question for the pod. I recently dyed my hair red with henna, and oh, it's okay. totally giving me life. However, Fierce. it has wreaked havoc on my wardrobe and makeup choices. What colors complement red hair plus light skin with olive undertones? Right. So, Jack, I, I actually read this in advance, this one question, and I reached out to a famous redhead on um, oh. in the Australian Ballet, who is Callum's best friend in the company. Mm-hmm. And we have a voice memo from Drew, who will actually give us a firsthand experience about red hair and, and fashion. Okay. So, are we ready? Yeah. Here we go person who has dyed their hair red with henna um excuse my voice it's a little bit raspy uh being ahead of time in australia i'm out at a club and i've ducked out into the dirty alleyway um and i'm doing this answer for you um red hair dealing with it with your wardrobe first of all someone from the australian ballet wardrobe once told me that nothing clashes. Colours do clash, we know that, but it was the best piece of advice I was ever given because I always thought I couldn't wear a red T-shirt with red hair um, because it didn't work, but it does. It works. But in terms of what actually does work, go olive green. It's, it's in. It works. 
um, navy blue is always nice and also is like a blush pink or a dusty pink that really works um, and that will bring out the nice sort of like olive tones in your skin as well I would I would say um, and when in doubt go white or black I mean everyone says Melbourne is uh, where everyone wears black you get in a taxi wearing black there or in Sydney going to the airport and the taxi driver is like oh you're wearing black you must be from Melbourne and it's true we we wear black um, but yes yeah, stick to those colors but if you want to be a little bit more adventurous go olive green um, maroon weirdly works really well as well um, when I was at ballet school we had to wear maroon unitards mm-hmm. and I was terrified because I thought it was going to clash with my red hair awfully um, but it worked it, it, was, it was good so I was happy with that hope that helps bye oh Heaven. It's true, wow, Melbourne, everyone does wear black in Melbourne. It is, it's been known as the sister city of New York. It's a uniform. Yeah. So while Drew has the most beautiful red hair, mm-hmm. and it used to, several, a few months ago or recently, it was down to his shoulders and then yeah. cut it off and kept it for the wig makers to make him um, facial hair pieces for ballets. Smart. Smart. Really smart. That's really, really smart. smart. That's really smart. Reduce, reuse, recycle. As they say, it, the three R's of red hair. <laughs> absolutely. As, as they say with all of it. What's Drew's last name for our listeners? Hedditch. Drew Hedditch, thank you so much for responding in. And I am absolutely going to say black. And I'm also going to say, because it's a, I think it, it's shocking to do, if you have red hair, you can wear metallics. So wear, go for gold. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I think gold... I think like um, I I also really like the idea of leaning into kind of monochrome, like just have all your clothes and makeup match your hair. I think that's mm. also an amazing look to mm. do. If you have a hair that's a color, like lean into the thing you have. It's incredible. And speaking of Tori Amos, look at photos of Tori Amos and see what she's wearing and go for it. You know. Also, look at photos of our dear, dear friend and friend of the podcast, podcast Brianna O'Mara, oh who's my constantly God. looking incredible. So find her on Instagram and just copy her wardrobe. There you go. There you um, go. So coming from three people who don't have red hair, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Again, read in an Australian accent. Next question. Okay. There are two words that are being used a lot more in the world of art and healing that I feel when I hear them, they are being thrown out there with an expectation that the listener understands without question what is being said. Decolonization is one, queering is the other. I feel that if I were in academia currently, there would be a lot of conversations around what these two words mean to one's own artistic process, as well as on a more institutional scale. And the question is continued in the next frame. While I feel that I have a good understanding of these words in regards to a more institutional scale, I would love to hear about how they are being used in a more personal artistic process. Mm, So the two words are 
decolonization and queering. Decolonization and queering. Yes. And you know what's incredible is that literally yesterday or two days ago, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. Callum said, can you help me understand why it is that you and Jack, the ways in Mm. which you use the word queering Mm. on the podcast. And so I kind of, my explanation was that, you know, I am now frequently not only using the word queering in relationship to uh, sexual orientation, et cetera, but really just as related to stepping away from anything that's um, conventional. So like mm-hmm. anything that veers off of a conventional line would be a queering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in the way of, and, and even in this person choosing these two words, it is this thing about, um, how can you undo a uh, historical violence really that uh, may uh, very well be maneuvering a lot of your life and is maneuvering a lot of people's lives unbeknownst to them. So um, this is where uh, societal standards um, and categorical thinking come in. And uh, so how, how can one um, find out what those categories are um, uh, and then uh, bring awareness and intention around them and attention around them and uh, make and see where they're being stewarded by them without even knowing it. And uh, this, you know, in, in terms of Sarah Shulman's great book, The Colonization of the Mind, it's, what has, what's colonized your mind? What has, what has said, oh, this is like this and that's like that. That's, um, uh, as well as when we think about uh, cultures and cultural appropriation and, and uh, utilizing them towards zones of capital, which you can't hear me. I can. Oh, I got. I now I get. Now I got. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I just saw. I just saw. Uh, but you know, in in terms of um, uh, where where in terms of these. Sorry, I do feel I'm speaking about this in a pretty academic way, but I do feel it is. I don't mean it that way. I really. I. It's. 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 It's life, and I think this is also really hard when I think about. Jesus, where this country just even falls in terms of Jack, education in the world. Yeah, but um It's okay, this will be uh, the the phone? categorical thinking Maybe. and and trying to Jack, go against it, trying to find out Jack. what cultures are being used. One second. Keep recording. We can't hear you, but one second. Keep recording. Oh, we're gonna keep take recording. a we'll we'll just we can't hear keep you, going. Reed's gesturing towards yes, me. Yes, Anyhow, listeners, huh. I'm gonna uh just say that I think I've I hopefully, mm. I guess Reed's audio is cut out. Why did that um, I touch it? It seems it? like... Can you hear me? Jack? I can't hear them. Jack. Well, that might be that. Yeah, they were dead, that wouldn't happen. Here, put um, them back in. Well, Jack, you just keep talking and we'll... Oh, Reed's gesturing for me to keep talking. <gasps> oh, okay, we can't do that. We have to put them back in. Uh, and now... Oh, thank God. We're back. Okay. 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 Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, we just had an AirPod um, malfunction. It's um, totally fine. 
I was but watching I was listeners, just so you know, my pauses where I was watching them scramble on the on the screen and I was like, these these are things that I care very deeply about and have been uh certainly talking about and in discussions about for a while. And there's another part of me that um I feel like when someone has questions about this, I want I want you to go and explore it. Like if you have questions about what these words are and you're hearing them a lot, go explore it. It's yeah. Go read more about it. Find out what's controlling you. Because what is controlling everyone is capitalism, whether they know it or not. And that's stewards with the patriarchy. So when you want success, it is that you are looking to find ways to use categories to help you. Uh, Because people, you know, people like knowns. And we're talking about art here. Art traffics with knowns. When it's in terms of things that are going to get more money. Money traffics with knowns. As a very famous producer said to me once, Art walks in and money walks out. And it's very rare to find them to be able to get to do them both. And it's part of that people feel secure in their knowns. And knowns function in categorical thought. And in terms of queering, that's the binary. How does, Mm -hmm. like, and to just give you an example of that, where are the non-binary characters in film and television? There aren't any. We are, we're, yes, we have, uh, trans characters but we aren't in terms of that aren't being aren't still don't have any representation of a non-binary right character well it, it's been interesting right now to be back after this year of a lot of thought and school etc in a ballet environment because mm. i haven't really been confronted with this in, in quite a while and so to be back in it in a in a different frame of mind i am i am being confronted on a daily basis by um, my own efforts to kind of decolonize the language that I'm using around the work that I'm doing, which is really challenging because like in this environment, it's very easy to just step into like, oh, like look at that beautiful foot or oh, (laughs) look at that. Like, you know, and these kind of little things, they like, they're, they feel meaningless in the moment, but then I've been having actually conversations with the people in the costume shop about things like this. Cause I'll find, I'll catch myself in fittings being like, Oh wow, you're so long. How beautiful. And then I'll be like, stop. Right. And I'll be like, this is like, because my brain has been, you know, colored by my experience in ballet. And sure. Like, which is incredibly very, Eurocentric yeah. and, but, and also uh, utterly misogynist and, right. and from so femme phobia comes homophobia. Kind of like, and to to put kind of like value judgments on things where like it's not is there isn't a kind of value to to a foot really as long no. you know, unless it's working right right or not exactly. so um, anyways little stuff like that so yeah right which ends which be, does which can certainly add up and I think is the discussion that people are looking to have about how to how to heal this violence. And it requires that people do their research and um, on your own and get involved in discussions as well with people that um, feel exciting to you. It's really exciting work to do because it's also, it's not, it's undoing a history that has been moving you around without you knowing it. And when you start to wake up out of this nightmare, I will also say it's very painful when you realize that your dream has been a nightmare and you have to wake up from it. Right. And as an Australian, like, I imagine there must be a lot of conversation around, like, 
being in the Commonwealth of this, like, of the, like, main colonizer of Europe, you know? Mm. And, like, what does that mean to this country? And what does it mean about, like, how this land also was stolen from Native peoples and stuff? So Well, I'm and when I was like, in Melbourne, it was the first time that I actually, whenever I went to something, everyone did a land acknowledgement. And, mm. and that we're just catching up to that in New York City feels really... Uh, significant, I would say. It was, I mean, also think about that. Mm -hmm. That's my long-winded response. Calum, if you want to jump in and please feel free. Well, I think, yeah, just to jump on, I mean, you talk about when you were in Melbourne and experiencing, was it a land acknowledgement you said when you, and how many years ago was that, that you were in Melbourne, Jack? 2016. Yeah, I mean, even now, like... 2017, sorry, 2017, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even now, like, 2021, the, you know, land acknowledgements have become a bit more common practice in... I mean, we're in an arts organisation, which, I mean, generally, the the opinion is, like, it's a bit more progressive than, say, something, you know, some corporate... Right, right, sure. And even maybe now, only now does that become common practice, but it sometimes, you know, it, it, it does feel like, is it only now that we're just doing that, you know? And I feel like it's only of recent, of recent times, like that it's just becoming more part of the kind of national, like, uh, conversation, so to speak, that we are kind of talking more and reflecting more about our actual, the true past of Australia and not just the kind of colonial history of Australia, which is mm. for so long has just been what's kind of, you know, referred to as a history, but we really do have a really, really rich, rich history, thousands and thousands and thousands of years of, you know, our first nations people. But for so long it was just, Oh no, it started in, you know, 18, you know, I'm not going to get the, the year right, but you know, everyone's like, Oh, that's when it started, but it did it. <laughs> right, right. It did it. Correct. Right. And, yeah, I mean, for me, like, you know, I'm 25 and it's only kind of in the past few years have I really kind of, you know, stopped to look back on what I, you know, wh- how I view my my country's history and, you know, really looking further and further back and doing my own research and, and whatnot. And it's, you know, it makes you think like, oh, well, you know, in schools, like, you know, what are we teaching in terms of our, own, you know, country's real history and et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, that was a really terrible answer on that. No, but you know, you did really well. Like, you did well. We were speaking about yeah, what that practice. It's kind of embarrassing. Like. It's kind of embarrassing, you know, to be in a country where it it's is like, embarrassing to be white and male. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm also literally in America, so you know, embarrassment. I mean, we just <laughs> we just had another shooting last night. The and you know where a child was killed. It this is was it a white it, male shooter? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna go ahead. It guess. didn't. The well, I saw the news last night, and the 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 suspect who'd been taken to a hospital had still not been or not. I mean, it's not the suspect. It's everyone saw that he did it, but they didn't release those stats mm. yet. But the, the point is more about this kind of psychosis here, and then when it gets to queerness, I. I've, I think I've already said enough on this podcast about about what that means. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I said I was completely baffled by sexual orientation and gender. It seemed like total constructs to me, and that was when I was a child, like a. And like then pre- did you call? Did was Judith Butler your preschool teacher? And she was Can like, "Can you Tell imagine?" Me more. No, I was just confused. <laughs> 
I was, I was like, this doesn't, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. And, and now I understand why I've been sold that. And I think that's something that is really still very, quite painful in ballet. I mean, when that starts to, and both of these issues in terms of colonization and queering, and when they'll get worked out more in ballet with its incredibly long history of, uh, the opposite yeah. of those will be fascinating. Know, been, this com- seeing this company, I've there's something really promising, sort of culturally, to see like what this new generation of ballet dancers feels free to express in their personal lives. So that only means that like the progress will infiltrate towards leadership eventually. Exactly. And I think having David here will be like huge for the company right. in terms of like right. people feeling free to like be expressive in like whatever right. way right. they are. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Great. Um, do so we have another question? question? We have one kind mm. of long question. Okay. So this is give you my eye on the time. You beautiful Australian monologue. <clears throat> as far as I can sense through your works, this podcast, your friendship, you aim to let others know they are not alone. It comes as a great comfort to make believe I have these pals in conversation. It also suits my ego that I am now friends with humorously wise and well-informed critics. To say thank you for bringing me camaraderie while I sit in my kitchen and have many meals alone, besides my sweet angel pup, or find myself circling this rather small space, or being a source to help pull me out from circling the drain of thoughts uncentered. So why I write at all seems to come from a simple place of humanity. Wait. A simple place of humanity, a desire to to be seen by those we care about. And I do. I care about you and your words you paint, both in the tangible realities you share with strangers and in your creations. Esoterically, Dance saved my life. I have never been very good at it by the standard qualification, qualifications and modifications, but this never really bothered me. Not really, that is, of course, until I was told it ought to bother me and I didn't know better than to follow misguided trust. Dance was my connection to source, my ancestors, and my conscious body after my brother... Sorry, after my brother killed himself when I was 16. Mm. Mm. As a devout Christian, I only had fear of the witch that lived within, not reverence. How broken are people that mark dance an unholy matrimony to God? I am 26 now, a writhing Aquarian in chaos, and face the reality that I may never make it to my mid-30s. Our species have really done themselves in. Death is a gracious gift, and hopelessness a fine reminder that we need nothing but the present. As I grow, I learn, I love, I break, and I find myself changed. Parts of the self I once knew gone, filled with the clay of forgiveness and of grieving. Indigenous teachings have washed decades of deceit from my being, and I cleanse myself with herbs, salts, 
poetry, music, ritual, prayer, and dance. How do you find your healing in dance? How is it informed by your ancestors and the teachings of Indigenous elders and the roles we play as parallel siblings? Do you have a sense of Gaia in your being when you dance? What is she encouraging of your gifts in the face of the end? What place does gratitude have in your dance, in your body? Did I say Gaia right? Gaia? Yeah. You Gaia did. Yourself. You did. You did. Reed, do you want to answer first? Because I feel, yeah, I feel like, I feel I, like, I've, I feel like my, say. well, I, well, um, I feel I've said a lot of it on the podcast already. So I, yes, that's why I'm I throwing it over to you. Is, um, it's more directed towards you, but I, um, I think I can respond most to this part about gratitude um, mm. and, and less so to other aspects of the question. But um, I think that for many of us who dance, even if we don't realize it immediately, or even if we often find ourselves doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, for me, like the gratitude comes with the community that has been built through dance for me and the friends and the love that's like come through this extraordinary thing um, that has sustained me all this time. And I, I didn't think I would live an entire life through dance, but I am now starting to realize that it's become the art form that I care most deeply for. And I, now I don't have a choice, but to kind of stay inside of it and, and continue making whatever contribution I can. So, you know, just for dance being this enormous part of my personal and professional life, I have enormous gratitude and I, I can't really speak spiritually to that, but obviously like for something to be such a part of my self is is really huge mm -hmm. jack yeah i was was listening to your response and thinking about actually when i mean because we live in in such a secularized way uh now and um and in for and which for some reasons i think are really good and for and then i think there's parts of that that are really sad of um, of where uh, ritual or ways in which people found a way to make meaning out of this chaos of living um, and uh, and go forward with that, uh, then also get taken away. And there is something about rehearsal and community in which people feel a sense of love and a sense of belonging. And I think that you know, it reminds me of the, the quote of religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for the people who've been there. And um, the idea of, of the sacrifice that it takes to go into art and especially into something as ephemeral and, and, uh, and close to death as dance because you do watch elements of your ability slip away literally over time is a, is quite a harrowing experience and, and does provide that sense of, I never, it was, it's hard to understand being in the moment. You know, we hear those things and we think, what the hell does that mean? And I think it's why, uh, as someone who thinks a lot, I, I perhaps, yeah, I thinking has really been a big problem for me because <laughs> I can think so far to, the end and um yeah. 
um, that it's why I teach from a body-based practice because, um, you know, as Martha said, movement doesn't lie. So it's how is what's going on with all this intel that's not the and even in terms of thoughts there's the frontal part but then in terms of the back part of the brain the hypothalamus and amygdala all of that's firing as well so it's where the truth of the body has felt so helpful for me my body is uh, a place that was taken from me when i was young both through extreme bullying and abuse and that would happen later in my life as well and so to reclaim it is uh that is its own um endeavor that i do find there to be a, a spirituality too when it comes to me talking about my uh the lineage more on my mother's side <laughs> Um, and, and the work that I've done in there and also where I shore up in terms of, um, uh, ritual that is, that is so private to me that I would never talk about it. Um, and, uh, and I don't, it's, it is, it's too sacred. Um, it's something that I know no one will ever be able to take from me. And, uh, uh, and I keep it that way. And I find a great sense of it has helped me a lot. It has, um, it has helped me feel connected. And dance is the place, you know. Uh, clearly, if you've heard this podcast and even in this episode, I can talk. <laughs> and dance is what steps in when language ends for me. And I find that that that's a great space. It's also a space that can step in before language begins. So I think we talk about post-verbal, but also this pre-verbal, or rather we talk a lot about pre-verbal rather, but I, then there's this post-verbal thing, you know? It's, right. Right. So I, mean, I, 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 I also, I mean, I, it's not that I won't speak to my ancestors, but I, I kind of can't, I have very tenuous connections. I, I to sure. ancestry. I, I'm not so concerned with ancestry in general. And I think for me, in, in my estimation, I think a lot of people's attachment to ancestry leads to kinds of like resentment culturally. It can. So it can. So, I mean, I'm just in a situation where I don't have access really to an understanding of my ancestry because my family is very small and I don't know. There's, I don't know. Anyways, that was, that's well, those are the, I I hope that that was, that, that, that answered some of these questions around, um, what, what this listener, uh, uh, said as source Gaia, um, ancestry healing, uh, death. And, um, and also I just want to say, I'm so sorry for your loss of the, the suicide is, um, I have a lot to say on that as well, but, um, yeah. I think, uh, I always feel for people when, because I deeply also have been there and understand when this world feels too, um, painful and, uh, cruel and, um, it, that's also a great place to remember that you're not alone. It is certainly why I've made my work so that I didn't want people to feel as alone as I had felt. And I had had direct experience of that first through film and then later through performance. But honestly, I still return to films for help with that. Did, 
do you find now even at like 25 that you're reflecting in this way on like what the space that dance holds in your life or not not so much yet you're kind of just in the middle of it yeah maybe I feel like I'm in in the middle of it I I mean I think even just like today or yesterday I was just reflect I must have done like a kind of someone asked me a question for some interview or whatever like for the program or something why do you dance that sort of sim- that sort of simple question and like so simple it's like it's, it's, yeah, but it, but it's, like, so it's, it's really not <laughs> it's really not but it's always asked it's like oh like, like hey tell us about yourself why do you dance why do you um, dance and it, it's um. like i don't know it's always kind of like changing isn't it i feel there's one oh, wait, i'm just sorry to interrupt there's an answer Please. to that question that i really hope to never hear again which is that Please. oh god Oh, oh, I started dancing because um, I have an older sister who was dancing and, you know, my mom would leave me at the ballet studio and then eventually the teacher said I can either start dancing or I'd have to leave. And I'm like, I could just don't even tell that story anymore, please. Anyways. Sorry. I actually, I <laughs> love the story, repetition Cal? of Cal, that. Is that your story? That's not my story. Oh, okay. Good. You do love the repetition of that? I love the repetition of that. I also love the repetition of a child being told you can take class or you can leave. I mean, just even hearing that, I'm like, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> just let's get into the problematics of that and then maybe this person where they found healing um inside of it uh we're at time i have to go oh, it's it's been an hour and i am at i am at it's 10:45 and i have to go into this next interview i do want to say there's a great spirituality of dancing at the club so callum as you go back out enjoy may you have deep catharsis out there and well, thank you for joining us. Did you have a good time? Thank you so much for having me. As well as enjoying the show. Married for the show. When does it open? Tuesday. Tuesday. So what's that, like th- like four or five days away now? Incredible. I so wish yeah. I was there. I'm, I'm gutted that I'm not. That's and be um, I'm, I, I can't wait to see it, at least the live stream of it. Um, Callum, it's yeah. been an would utter like, treat getting like to, to meet you. Would you like to sing the song with us as we go out? I'm going to fuck it up. Callum wants to sing the song. Here we go. Okay. okay. Wait, Reed, can you pick another note? Wait, go again. Yeah, does it start with like what's happening no. or what's going on? Just do whatever you think it is. Oh, fuck. Okay. Good. I can't hear you. That's going to be amazing. Three, two, one. What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on with happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Great. It's incredible. Fierce. It was really good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Loves you. Reed, we loves you. Callum, we loves you. I loved you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real honor. A pleasure, in fact. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Jack. Bye. Have fun. Reed, go out dancing. I won't. Come, Reed.
Hi, Dance and Stuff listeners. This is Margaret Fuhrer. I'm the editor and producer of the Dance Edit podcast. Like you, we love Reed and Jack over at the Dance Edit. And if you get especially excited when they turn into journalists and do reporting, we think you might like our podcast too. The Dance Edit podcast is a weekly dance news show. It's hosted by me and three other editors from Dance Media. We work on Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit and Point. And every Thursday, we discuss and sometimes yell a little bit about the week's top dance news stories. And then we interview one of the dance artists who's shaping the news. And our recent interview guests have actually included a few dance and stuff friends. We've had Kyle Abraham, we've had Lloyd Knight. Basically, we've built a nice little nerdy community, and we hope you'll join it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at thedanceedit.com slash podcast. 